It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Good morning, it's a Thursday's Cork Today, JP until one and Bernie is standing by taking your comments and indeed calls across the programme. If there's something you want to raise or comment on, 0818103103, that's our number. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103 and of course email across the show as well, corktoday at c103.ie. And coming up, the GRA voted overwhelmingly yesterday on the no confidence in the Garda Commissioner and their boss. Drew Harris, who says he will remain and he also feels he should not have been put through this no-confidence motion. We're going to speak with the Garda Representative Association this morning on this. RTE bosses appearing before the Oireachtas Media Committee yesterday will have reaction with Senator Malcolm Byrne. He's a member of that committee on indeed what was discussed. Your views are welcome on both of those issues. Uh, two public bodies, our Garda Shikona and indeed our state broadcaster, both in the news at this morning for various reasons and also parents are being forced to tell their children that they need to cut back on after school activities because they simply can't afford it. Uh, within this Cork Penny Dinners now are also uh, meeting parents nearby not outside the, the school but nearby the school uh, and they're meeting them with packed lunches so parents can give this to the child going to school and this would be for non-desh schools and desh schools you know it can be provided but not in every school if they're not a desh school so uh, because this is really a dig out is the way uh, Penny Dinners described this. Some families towards the end of the month realised they don't have enough money for food in the house when they pay the various bills and as Katrina Toomey is outlining this is a dig out to help families once they get a dig out they get themselves back again in the flow of things. It can help somebody out. We'll speak with Katrina from Penny Dinners later in the programme. Also our Garda file and pet advice with Jane. Your questions are welcome for Jane and she'll be joining us after 12.30. That remote to come across the programme and as always you can email us corktoday at c103.ie uh, Interesting story about if you are buying a house and buying it from the plans I'll bring that to you shortly but uh, the main story this morning it remains with something that started earlier on in the summer at the Oireachtas Committees and this is how a call of staff through targeted and indeed voluntary redundancies a potential sale of Montrose and reducing programming are all part of cost cutting now that has to happen really uh, within RTE 
workers at the National Broadcast they were put on alert about the wide ranging call at the organisation and also uh, sales of different parts of RTE are now up for discussion and while staff were let reeling yesterday there was a number of exchanges yesterday afternoon when they all met at the RTE board and indeed those members of the Oireachtas Committee and with falling revenue due to a reduction in people losing trust in RTE therefore not paying their TV licence Kerry TD Brendan Griffin said this to the board of RTE and indeed management You're looking for 50 million from the taxpayer and and my licence is up for renewal this month it's 160 euro I wouldn't trust you by 160 euro never mind 160 million I'd rather go down to Murphy's Barnbull teens will buy around the drinks at least I'd know where my, my money went I, I, I'd get more cultural content and I'd get more straight talking from people now, that comment was picked up later by staff representative on the RTE board, Robert Short. He told committee members that their language they use around the TV licence, they need to be careful. I do think that we should take it very seriously and I think we should take the payment of the licence fee very seriously. And I was taken aback by your description of comparing it to buying a round of drinks in a pub. I'll be uh, renewing my licence fee and I encourage everyone to do it. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Sorry, it's not I'm the very, ha- I'm very glad here. to hear that, Deputy. Do you need but to I, own your I, own... And I, will, and I will own whatever I'll actions... I'll go find this back now on this excuse side of the house. Me, excuse me, Deputy. I'm perfectly willing to own whatever mistakes we made. But I also think that paying your licence fee should be taken seriously by everybody. Exchanges between Kerry TD, Brendan Griffin and indeed the RTE board member Robert Short yesterday at that Oireachtas Media Committee. More on that later. Your views are welcome on text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And something I spotted this morning, and this is from the Irish Independent, but maybe a warning to all those because many people who do buy a home sometimes, and a lot of people did this about 15 years ago, but sometimes you would buy from the plans or indeed if the house was semi-constructed. Well, The story is from County Meath and it's where more than a dozen people who entered into contracts to buy new homes in an estate that was being built have been asked to pay an extra €60,000 for each of their homes to be completed after the developer ran into significant financial difficulties. Now, uh, in this housing estate, uh, there is a number of homes that were sold three years ago. So sold from the plans or indeed the people will be looking in the gates and watching the homes being built. That must uh, and seemingly is stopped at the moment. And even though those homes were sold three years ago and some families and couples agreed to pay up to €275,000 at the time for a three-bedroom home, uh, deposits were paid and contracts were signed. But homeowners have now been told by the developer that the initial budgets that they invested into this housing estate were well off the mark and works on the site cannot be completed. Now, they've had a serious meetings between their own solicitors and indeed uh, the developers uh, to see what can be done with this and explore all options. It's now understood that each buyer is going to be asked to consider contributing a ballpark figure of around €60,000 on top then of their agreed sale price so the works can be completed. Uh, and the estate it consists of 16 three-bedroom and four-bedroom houses uh, really aimed at families and most of those families did enter into a contract, did presume the house would be built and be ready for sale. Uh, they are most of them are sale agreed. Uh, one is sale agreed since 2020, and the others then in 2021. Uh, 
but it's a word of warning if you were buying a house off the plans and everything seems okay and the developers seem to be financially okay and next thing all of a sudden you're told for this estate to progress, for the homes to be finished and indeed for you to live in this estate, uh, we're asking for another €60,000. Some people will say we thought we were away from those days where things and developers were getting into trouble again but a word of warning and that is from County Meath uh, this morning making the papers. And if you were ever walking around Cork City from even the Wilton side or the city centre or across the north side, you'd have missed an iconic cross that was on the Church of the the Ascension in Gronabroher. Well, the good news is it has been reinstated and the red light that everybody knows on top of that church on the cross that beams out right across the city. It's back on because the cross is 15 uh, foot in height. It was damaged, of course, in a series of storms that hit the area in 2022 in February, wasn't it? So initially it tilted and then uh, following another storm a few weeks later, the structure fell over and the church's roof as well uh, was damaged because of this and all due to the high winds that continued on to March in 2022. So it had to be removed. Uh, There was a lot of talk about fundraising and how indeed they could get all this uh, sorted out and get the cross back up on the church because it did mean a lot to so many people. Some people even said they felt comfort when they just looked at that cross uh, because it's been there for so many years, since 1962, shining over the uh, predominantly the north side of the city, but really you can spot it from right across Cork City, uh, depending on where you are, but more or less uh, from Wilton and across the north side in city centuries where you can see this. Anyhow, the good news is it's up, it's shining again and a lot of people are happy to see the cross uh, back on top of the Church of the Ascension in Gronabroher. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie today on C103. The majority of the Garda Representative Association members have voted no confidence in the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris. John Parker of the GRA joins me this morning. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Uh, A no confidence vote passed by 98.7%. The biggest statements are in those numbers and it's the first ever no confidence motion in a Garda Commissioner. But Drew Harris remains. He feels it's a personal attack. And the Justice Minister, Helen McAtee, she says she believes in him. And she feels also that this is an industrial action situation. So where do you go from here? I I suppose to just look at the plethora of um, issues that you have stated there and it just shows how out of a connect that people are and how out of out of focus one it's it's not a personalized issue um the commissioner stated in his early days of his tenure i'm the boss and the book stops with me and the same as any other organization chief executive officer has to take um account of the policies that they drive you know the the organization and the senior management team take take their lead from the chief executive of any organisation. And when things don't work out, it's incumbent on that person to, to, to make changes. And as regards the workforce, um, look, there's a lot of issues being trotted out as regards what is wrong, what isn't, what isn't wrong. Um, nobody has specifically called for the commissioner to, to leave. The media go down that, that line. So as of yet, the association has not specifically said out, out, out. A democratically elected government are entitled to have whoever they wish in position. However, when, when there's failed policies being followed, um, on a number of occasions they intervene in government departments and they put the train back on the tracks. But John, when it you all, say you don't want them out, I mean, a vote of no confidence with those numbers, no, no. it doesn't really say you want them to stay either. 
No, 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 no. I mean, everybody automatically jumps, you know, straight away to immediately that a vote of no confidence is this. And that's because some leaders, when they see the failed policies, uh, honourably, they will stand up and they will fall on their sword for particular reasons and they will themselves decide that the position is not for them and that they can't solve it. What we're talking about is the style of management and the way they implement policies. Over the years, we used to collectively build new policies from the ground up. But this past while, it's been a situation of management deciding the position and imposing things on the membership. Um, that style of uh, is not going to work out. This is a train wreck waiting to happen. If this 6-4 come, comes in, um, not, not only will members have issues, but the public in general will, will suffer from it. The manpower will not be there to man cars. I, I know from having seen the expanded um, proposed units in various districts and divisions that, that I've seen, and you're talking about units that had three members will now be down to two. And, and just to f fill you in on the ground, three members means the Garda station that's open from nine to five has a person in there and there's two people out in the patrol car. You need two out in the car if you're taking a prisoner. You can't travel with, with one. If you're down to two, what does that mean? You either crew the car or you mend the patrol car. The, the, the numbers are not there for it to work out. And while the main large towns will get by because they have that one spare man extra capacity or whatever. The other um, medium-sized towns, and we have a lot of them in in, in Cork, um, in, in the county areas, um, those people will be factored into closing the Garda station and opening it only when there's a crossover of units for a, a two-hour period during the day. Or if a member of that two-man car crew takes annual leave or goes sick, you're down to one. And they will have to rob a member from another Garda station that is similarly undermanned. And it will, it will put pre pressure on the whole system. And this is the new districts that are being rolled out right across the, mm. the country where Cork, here in Cork, Cork North and Cork West will be one and the headquarters out of McCroom. Yeah, look, that, 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 that is a different issue in that what can happen now because you're going to be expected to cover larger ground, you'll find you know, that you're crossing areas and um, it's, it's a bit like the ambulance. You have your own local ambulance or whatever, but you, you don't resource it enough to keep it on the road. So you're, you're looking for the fire brigade from an adjoining town or an ambulance from an adjoining town. Expanding a geographical area doesn't mean that you're keeping the same amount of resources between the two former divisions or the two former districts. Often what happens is you lose some of the resources, but it looks better on paper because instead of having three cars, you know, in each of two districts, which is six, you'll end up with five in the one. And they say, we now have five cars in our district, rather than six in the two former covered. Like, it's, a lot of this is smoke and mirrors. And the reason our members are up in arms is not about the, the, the four days off. It's about the four days that you're in. The manpower will not be there for members to adequately function, to be protected uh, when they're out on the streets, um, in, intervening in public order incidents, dealing with the normal... Uh, routine material. Remember, we have done this six on four off um, unit, and at the time we were stretched while it was being brought in, and we were continuously being told manpower will be increased, manpower will be increased. We are too far under resourced now to actually operate this six on four off. And you explained there on the effect the roster can have and you can have Garda stations as you outlined where there could be no Garda member but a lot of the reasons why there isn't a lot of Garda within our local towns, villages or even, not only here in Cork but across the country is 
there clearly is an issue within the force, even though you say what came out yesterday isn't for Drew Harris to go, uh, but maybe the management needs to have a look at how they run on Garda Shikana. Because if you look at any workforce and you look at any private company, if there's a lot of people leaving that establishment, there's a reason they're leaving. And the amount of Gardaí, young Gardaí, who have left the force over the last year or two is frightening. I know there's a generational aspect where uh, there were Gardaí and sergeants who retired, but young Gardaí stationed in Garda stations right across the country leaving for multiple reasons. Look, um, in response to that, management have adopted the ostrich head in the sand mentality. And Issues have been trotted out such that this is commensurate with uh, numbers leaving in the public sector or that the economy has caused a situation where people are headhunting these. Don't look at the numbers that, that are resigning. Look at the increase in the numbers resigning. You know, it, it might... Well, I can tell you, John, the people say, we've spoken to, the Gardaí who have spoken to us off the record here have openly said they're leaving because of the way they are treated. And that's yeah. the open market. They are treated they, like they're dirt. Yeah, yeah your tool, you know, to, 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 to be factored into something at a moment's call. And, and look, we do it willingly. At a moment's call, you're told, go somewhere else. Your leave is cancelled for some particular reason. You're factored in and told you can't apply. Normally, we'd be able to apply for, you know, leave well in advance and you have a family wedding, go with you, whatever. Now they're being told, I'm sorry, but we will not take the application until closer to the time because they're afraid somebody might have to be sent on a course or somebody might be, you know, it has gone so tight um, and this 6-4 roster is going to be the end of the line for a lot of members. Anyone who has the, the 30 years up will be seriously consider, considering going. So it won't all be about people resigning over this roster. The people that could be staying on and that are quite willing to stay on will not stay on. And, and unfortunately, someone needs to intervene urgently and um, tell a senior management, you know, um, do, do not leave this settled. Do not leave this um, continue as if, oh, it, it, we'll get by, we'll get by, the lads will cap on. Members will go through a brick wall to achieve um, the ability to remain in the job, the um, ability to do their job safely and securely, the ability to deliver a service to the people in their community. Because we're, we're not a service provider like the commercial entities. Members are living uh, in the community. The neighbour next door who gets broken into is, is your neighbour, you know, your friend, your colleague. They're, they're people that we live, live among. And, um, you know, a lot of members have... Um, invested deeply in, in the community and anything that reflects badly on the organisation will reflect badly on, on members in the community. And recruitment, I know, continues within the Garda Shikon and not a whole lot, not huge numbers even going up to Templemore, but still they are recruiting. And there's another issue there about whether or not the regions are getting enough Garda uh, compared to Dublin. But I suppose that's an issue for an, another day because uh, given the crime levels in Dublin. But outside of that, is there a split within Angarda Shikona, when you see some superintendents are praising Drew Harris, uh, while others then have large concerns on the force's future. And even on that, superintendent saying that when I mentioned Gardaí leaving the force, many saying, well, Drew Harris and his management team, they're committed to well-being and they're committed to the future of the force. So is the Justice Minister, Helen McAtee, saying this. Um, but then we have people leaving. So is there a split with some superintendents going this way and some not, and then the ordinary guard on the ground? Look, there is pressure on superintendents to provide the 
um, answer that, that is being sought and not the answer that's there on, on the ground. There's a lot of window dressing that will be going on with these figures that will come out. You will have lists of units and uh, members number one to, to four are effective and fully operational and then number five and number six are on night duties, number seven and number eight are on half hours work sharing or whatever and on paper things will be dressed up. But when we start to interrogate these things and it comes out into the media that the, the you know the the figures are there that there's six or seven on this shift, but there's actually only three of them um, are operational at any one time. Um, you, you can provide any sort of an answer back when the boss looks for you to implement something. But what came out to the superintendents where I don't want to hear that this can't happen, make it happen. Now, there is no loaves and fishes there for management to do that. So all they can do on paper is be aspirational if the following... But as I said, I've had feedback from a number of divisions around the place and people are telling me straight off that this is going to derail very early into the days if it's implemented. I would say now to the commissioner, um, defer this this move, call, call it off and sit down around the table and construct something that's workable. Because what we are facing continuously now for the last while is gunboat diplomacy and smoke and mirrors with the media where they denigrate the associations and they denigrated our members in, their, in, 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 in this ballot, uh, coming out and saying that they don't think members fully understand what the ballot was. You know? I think they know exactly what the ballot was and I mean if when we're getting people telling us off the record what's happening it's clear there is problems there and uh, you're right the, the, the management do need to address those you mentioned derailing there if the new roster system when it does come in what do you mean by that is is that just there won't be services available or, or what? Uh, um, without any and I'm, I'm talking straight on this though yeah. without any form of industrial action there are huge gaps there um and we were hoping that the figures would come out, that they'd be supplied to us early, that we could go down through the list and say, well, that person isn't there. Effectively, you're going to be having things. And you have to come out and tell the public, well, in some areas, yes, the community policing will be moved. In some areas, the drug units will be dissolved. You know, at the moment, they're doing a rear guard action by saying this won't happen and that won't happen. But effectively, yes, in some areas, but in, in others, they are so strapped for, for manpower it will result in unavailability of stations to open. It will mean that where, say, a district has three patrol cars because they're three major towns, that they'll end up having two patrol cars out um, and two towns that are maybe 15, 16 miles apart having to crew a patrol car between them. Now, that's not ideal because every response that you have while you're covering one town, you're 16, 18 miles away from the other town. You, you're not tuned in to what's happening on the, on the ground. Yeah, and especially so, if there's a lot of things happening on the one day. So where do you go from here now? I mean, you've said you don't really want them out, uh, but it's like being a captain of a team and no one wants you because of the conditions of the team. So what's next? Yeah, as I, as I said, um, the things aren't personality driven. You, you'll work, you'll work with anyone as long as they're fair-minded, open, transparent, and that they take the, the well-being of the force. But the ability of members to do their to do their job when they do go into work, and as I said there just uh, slightly earlier, call call this off, okay? And it's not a step down. It's not anything. Um, this, as I said, is a train wreck waiting waiting to happen. And when you can see that and it's flagged in advance, it takes a strong person to be willing to, to say, look, we're going to 
stop this now. You know, we're going to engage. We're going to take on boards. We're going to map it out now that we have the figures and see that actually, yes, in these areas, this won't work. We're 2,000 short of manpower to actually make this roster work. And, um, and as such, it cannot be implemented. This is not somebody taking a climb down or saying, oh, even I made a mistake. It's just someone having the cop on to engage with the workforce and see that members are at their wit's end and they are in no way um, willing to go above and beyond to facilitate the operation of this roster in the voluntary things that they do from day to day, that the sticky plaster attempts to keep that roster going. Okay, John, for the moment, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning. That is John Parker there, who is from the Garda Representative Association. Lines open 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. RTE has introduced a recruitment freeze amid a sharp fall in TV licence fee revenue. Bosses from the broadcaster appeared before the Oireachtas Media Committee yesterday to discuss ongoing reform. Senator Malcolm Byrne, a member of that committee joins me. Good morning to you, Malcolm. Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Falling finances from the licence fee along with the trust from the public are just some of the concerns that were raised yesterday. I mean, we heard about that recruitment freeze that was announced yesterday afternoon and then a lot of talk of setting the Montrose site and moving elsewhere. That would make RTE money and it seems now outside of the list of buildings and the issue of the transmitter mass that Kevin Barkhurst did remark on, it is up for consideration. I think everything has to be on the table. Uh, it's critical now that RT does restore public trust and confidence in itself. Uh, it has been damaged um, by poor corporate governance and lax financial controls. Uh, at the same time, we do need uh, quality public service broadcasting in Ireland. We do need to ensure that Irish voices are heard uh, on our media and that the news, current affairs, sport, arts, documentary, children's programming that, that we all know and love, uh, that that continues to be produced. So we, we will need to address um, the broader funding issue. But it's going to be very difficult for governments to provide any additional funding uh, to RTE when clearly it hasn't got its own house in order. So uh, it, it's worth remembering um, Kevin Backhurst, the Director General, everyone sort of knows who he is now. Um, he's only been in the job eight weeks. It's been a bit of a baptism of fire for him. But I think it is fair to say that among um, my colleagues on the Oireachtas Media Committee and even in government generally, uh, he is engendering a, a sense of confidence. Um, he does seem to have a purpose to uh, be as transparent as possible. He is putting more information um, before the Oireachtas Committee and the public. Uh, he has announced uh, a recruitment freeze at RT, a clampdown on, uh, on spending at the broadcaster. And he has indicated that by the end of the year, he will come forward with a strategic plan around uh, how RTE will operate into the future. And I, I certainly expect that to be a, a slimmed down RTE. Uh, and yes, the, 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 the Montrose Donnybrook campus, uh, that could be on the market. And slimming down the public service broadcaster, as you mentioned, we do need certain items like uh, Irish language programming, the culture services, the news, current affairs and sports. A lot of the information provided from RTE can only be done with public money and a lot of the services provided would not make commercial sense. So you can see why there is a need for public service broadcasting. But how would this look at then this morning? We're seeing reports of selling off not only Montrose, but commercial elements of RTE and even radio services. 
Yeah, it's uh, the, the the reality is RTE is uh, facing a deficit this year. Now, what uh, the executives did indicate to us yesterday was that commercial revenue at RTE is is actually up uh, slightly this year. Um, the Rugby World Cup has certainly helped in terms of RTE's revenue. Uh, but we do know that license fee income is going to be down. It's estimated that by the end of the year, it could be down over 21 million on what was expected. Uh, and RT was already going to be facing uh, into a, a deficit situation. So um, there is a case being made to government that's been assessed, but RT really can't expect to get any more taxpayers' money until it can show that it has its own house in order and that it will represent value for money. Um, so there are certainly steps um, being taken, uh, and I think uh, it's only right of us to give Kevin Backhurst the chance uh, in terms of what he's trying to achieve uh, at RTE. Um, we do need to address the broader question, though, of how we fund um, public sector broadcasting in Ireland. And that's not just about RTE. Uh, that includes you know, other TV channels, but also indeed local radio stations, including yourself. Um, it costs money uh, to produce quality um, public service broadcasting. It's not always commercially viable uh, to be able to produce that and supports are needed. And that, that covers everything from documentaries to drama. So, you know, as a country, um, but as government, we do need to make uh, a decision as to how to fund that. And my own view is that the license fee model uh, is, is is an antiquated model. It dates back to the Wireless Telegraphy Act of 1926, when if you had a, a wireless or a radio, you had to have a license. And then when TV came in in the 1960s, uh, that graduated to becoming a TV license. But in the modern digital world, uh, I think we need to look at new ways to fund quality content that ensures that Irish voices are heard. While you're looking at reforming the TV licence, did RTE officially, I know it was mentioned in the committee meeting, but did they officially ask for a bailout? Well, what they did indicate was that they have approached, uh, there's an, an agency of government uh, called New Era, which kind of assesses uh, any um, public spending, including uh, money that may be going uh, into uh, into RTE. So they have indicated um, that they are seeking a sum of up to 34.5 million uh, from the state to help them balance the books uh, this year. Um, I, I think Finance Minister Michael McGrath has been you know, quite strong that if we are going to support it, it will be on the basis that RTE gets its house in order, uh, that you know, the corporate governance issues are addressed uh, and that we can have confidence that any finance that is provided will be, will be properly spent. Uh, and I think that's a widely held, uh, widely held view. Um, it will, though, only be a sticking plaster to sort of solve the problems for this year. Uh, we are going to see a leaner RTE. It's it's very clear that they're likely to be cuts made uh, at the broadcaster. Um, but our, our bigger challenge is how do we ensure we fund quality public sector broadcasting into the future? And while many commercial stations would have seen various changes over the years so that they can stay on air by way of cuts or stations merging or co-locating or massive changes happening within programming schedules, it's something that I think Kevin Barkers is going to do and seems to be making a change within RTE, which will give some confidence back to the public because they will need to see change before the trust gets instilled back to them. But then we heard and, and read and was brought up yesterday about, again, you know, publicly funded money go into this organisation and they hand out car allowances to people who don't hold a driving licence. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's some shocking stuff. I mean, there were very, it, it, it was very clear that for a long period that there have been some very lax financial controls um, 
in RTE that in in you know that that you'd car allowances being uh, provided to people and not just car allowances all sorts of other allowances um kevin backhurst was quite blunt yesterday he said uh it's it's a ridiculous system in rte there are far too many allowances uh, there's no coherence um to the system so it's one of the things that he's seeking to address uh, and 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 he knows he has to address those legacy issues um he doesn't have um the full confidence of um politicians but more importantly i think of the of the wider public and in order to to regain that uh he's going to have to show um, that he is tackling um, a lot of those issues. Um, it, it's it's still important, you know, that we have RT, that we have a public sector broadcaster. I think, you know, if if we were to lose it, I think we would certainly miss it. And when people think, you know, as you, as you make the point about news and sport and current affairs, in the same way as local radio stations provide that kind of critical local coverage, um, you know, it's a very difficult media environment. And you know, even how we are consuming content now. Um, historically, as you know, everyone used to, you know, the the new late late show season uh, comes in. Historically, families and everybody used to gather around the the TV set in the family home uh, on a Friday night. Um, that's that's now a, a very different environment. It's estimated that up to twelve percent of households in Ireland don't have the traditional TV set. Um, we are consuming more content on our phones and on our laptops and tablets, and People don't need to, you know, wait until a particular time uh, to watch a program just because it's scheduled to be on at 8.30 p.m. or whatever. They can either watch it on the player or increasingly on streaming services like Netflix or Amazon or Disney Plus. So how we're consuming content is is different. And we've got to make a decision around how we are going to ensure that Irish voices and Irish stories continue uh, to be told into the future. And that means about finding ways of funding that content. Many issues were raised yesterday that were again brought up from earlier on in the summer. Uh, we heard about Toy Show the Musical and the money invested into this, but one that caught many people's attention, and I must say my ears really perked up when I heard the mention of 240,000, I think, over a three-year period for a photographer to take photos on the set of Fair City. And I mean, this was all again during while it seemed to be all this debacle was going on. It, 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 it's bizarre. Uh, and Kevin Backhurst admitted that, you know, he, he had only just become aware uh, of this. And he said, look, he's not going to allow anything like that uh, to happen. Um, this was, a, a you know, a, a classic example of the lack of spending controls uh, that, that we've seen at RT. Uh, I mean, what kicked all of this off was the understatement of Ryan Tuberty's initial salary, the Grant Thornton report uh, that looked at that. Um, you know, it still hadn't managed to identify exactly who was responsible for doing that or the reasons as to why um, that, that salary was understated. It did say, you know, Ryan Tuberty had nothing to do with it. And it did say that the board of RTE, once it became aware uh, of that understatement, went to correct the record. And that's what kind of kicked off all of these um, controversies. Um, but it's still, you know, unbelievable that uh, we still don't know the full detail around, around how that happened. And now what, what, what we were told yesterday is, um, you know, there will be accountability. Uh, it was indicated that a number of people have already stepped down or resigned from the organization or been moved from uh, the positions that they're in and they're not on the executive board uh, anymore. And as other reports are coming out, and there are going to be a number of reports between now and Christmas that won't make for good reading, 
for RTE uh, that there will be uh, there will be transparency, but also that there will be accountability. Those who are responsible for this mess um, will have to take uh, uh, responsibility for their actions. And your remark as you talk about Ryan Turbot and him paying back the one hundred and fifty thousand euro. Well, what was stated to us yesterday, uh, and there's been legal correspondence between um, Orty uh, and Ryan Tuberty's legal advisors, uh, what was discovered was that there was no legal obligation um, on Ryan Tuberty to pay back that money. But Kevin Backhurst was very clear. He said that there was a moral obligation on that to happen. And certainly when Ryan Tuberty was before our committee uh, in July, uh, he indicated that if he didn't fulfil the terms of that deal, which included a number of appearances uh, and other actions, uh, that he would pay the money back um, to RTE. Uh, so, so yes, certainly, I think there is a moral obligation on him uh, to do that, even if there isn't uh, a legal obligation. And finally, but, Malcolm, but, but, as Kevin Barkhurst is making changes and people can see that what he's trying to do. I mean, we heard the Kerry TD Brendan Griffin yesterday and his exchange with board members of RTE. Looking in the window of the Oireachtas Committee for many of us, it still seems that for some of the board members, there's a type of arrogance there, unfortunately. Oh, well, 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 possibly. Um, now, a lot of the a lot of the board um, members in RTE are, are relatively new. Uh, the chair, Shuni Rahalik, has been there for under a year. Uh, so, you know, some of these are coming very fresh uh, to what has happened. And, and a number of the newer members made very clear that they had problems around uh, some of the uh, governance and financial accountability issues. And earlier this year, as soon as they became aware of a number of the problems, you know, they put it into the public domain. They 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 did, in fairness to them yesterday, and they were all individually asked, they did hold up their hands uh, when asked around personal responsibility and some of their own failings, uh, and, and that was acknowledged. Um, but certainly, I think, you know, the board of RT will come under a lot more scrutiny um, into the future uh, on its actions. It's, it's absolutely critical um, that public confidence and trust is restored in RTE. Uh, there's a very tight window to be able to do that. Um, but I think it, it was clear that, you know, the board yesterday and certainly from listening to the staff, there is a willingness to give Kevin Backhurst as the new sheriff in town the chance uh, to carry out those reforms. And certainly in the eight weeks he's been there, uh, he has been transparent. He has put in place a number of, of, of new measures. Uh, and I, I, I think among the political system generally, there is a willingness uh, to give him that opportunity. He knows he's a very short time to do it. Um, but quality public sector broadcasting is vital for our democracy. I think it is important that RTE survives, um, but in what form it survives, it will certainly be a very different organisation to that which it is now. And I think people will wait and see and want that change when public money is being used for that organisation. For the moment, Malcolm, uh, thank you for taking time out this morning to speak with us. Thank you very much. Take care. That is Senator Malcolm Byrne, who is a member of the Oroctus Media Committee. Would you like to meet Nick Richards? Well, if you go along to Fields of Skibbereen on this coming Friday, you can meet him. Yes, C103 is broadcasting live from one o'clock to four from Fields and Skibbereen. This Friday, Nick Richards will be there along with the C103 Street Fleet. They're there for the launch of their new store. There'll be the official opening and ribbon cutting of the store. There'll be a lot of spot prices to be won, both the Liam McCarthy and 
and Sam Maguire Cups will be in the store. Uh, they'll have uh, local suppliers of food there with a local food fair and so much more. All there from Friday from 1 to 4. Join Nick Richards and the C103 Street Fleet as he broadcasts live from fields in Skibbereen. Always a good place for an outside broadcast and indeed great crew. So uh, hello to the gang there and join Nick and go along and see him uh, on Friday in Skibbereen. It's Cork today until 1 o'clock. It's John Paul McNamara with you with Bernie taking your calls 0818 103 103. Comments are welcome. You can text or indeed WhatsApp 086 2103 or indeed you can email Cork today at c103.ie. Ahead on the programme, we're going to hear and speak with Katrina Toomey from Cork's Penny Dinners and this is how, first of all, parents are being forced to tell their children that they need to cut back on after-school activities, be that sports or music or whatever uh, they're into. And that is something we have touched on before on the programme, but also we're going to hear about how Penny Dinners are now making packed school lunches for parents. That is on the way, along with our Gardafile. And indeed, from 12.30, of course, Jane is here answering all your pet questions. If you have a question for Jane, get that into us across the morning as well. But a lot of calls and comments have come in in the past while. And this is to do, first of all, with uh, the chat we had with John Parker from the Garda Representative Association, the GRA, on their vote of no confidence in the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris, first ever in the history of the state this has happened. Uh, He is staying. And what happens next, really, it's anyone's guess. Uh, The rostering system is the big issue for Gardaí, but there's a lot of other issues as well within the force. Uh, Paddy, who is in the city, says all big companies in Paddy's view are treating their employees badly, says Paddy. While Patrick is in McCroom, uh, Patrick says the Gardaí rank and file deserve a workable roster. It is the same as you would expect from any job and they are not getting paid properly, says Patrick. Also, they should get proper overtime rates and if the pay was fair, there would be no issue with recruitment for Ungarda Shikona. While Terry feels if you have uh, the amount of Gardaí leaving the force, surely they know something is not right. Outside of the rosters, there must be a problem when you look at the stats on those who were leaving the force. Surely this is an issue and this also needs to be addressed. Uh, if the management in Angardashi Corner can't realise this and sees their force walking out and leaving, then something is totally wrong. They cannot be blind to people leaving the forest fields. Terry, while Melissa says, would you, if you were a boss of any organisation, if you knew you were not wanted, would you stay? I don't think so, uh, says Melissa. Uh, They may not want, uh, because John Parker did say this is not a vote for Drew Harris to to leave the job and get him out. It's a vote to sit down and work on the problems and sort out the issues that are within the Garda force. But Melissa says, if they say they don't want that and they don't want him out, certainly if Drew Harris is leading this organisation he must realise at this point that his time is coming to an end uh, when you see the issues with rosters, when you see people leaving the force, the struggles with recruitment and indeed then uh, the issue of that huge vote of no confidence in him. He must realise the end is near. That's Melissa's view on text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. We also spoke to Senator Malcolm Byrne. He is a member of the Oireachtas Media Committee on RTE bosses who appeared before the committee yesterday in reaction to that. First of 
of all, we heard from uh, Kerry TD Brendan Griffin on what he said and his issue with the licence fee and his feelings on that regarding the licence fee towards RTE. A texter here says, Hi JP, Brendan Griffin, uh, the Kerry deputy, was right in what he said. RTE are a disgrace looking for taxpayers' money to fund them like everything in Ireland. Is it up to an individual themselves if they want to pay the TV licence? It is bad value for money, this person feels, when you consider Netflix, Sky, etc. Even going to the pub to see a rugby match, this texter feels. While somebody else says, all this talk from RTE and the politicians alike that we need a public service broadcaster... We have good broadcasting from Virgin Media. Uh, This person feels their news is better than RTE. And also we have local radio like yourselves who do a great job without being funded by taxpayers. So why do we need RTE? Well, I suppose many would feel like we do need a public broadcaster to keep making those Irish programmes that maybe the commercial sector cannot make uh, due to funding issues. Uh, And also then a station that's owned by the people, as in it's a state broadcaster, the government uh, funded along with the people funding it via the licence fee. Uh, Otherwise, you could have a situation whereby a big company from outside of Ireland would come in and purchase it and then it would be privately run from a company not in Ireland and would you see non-Irish programming then uh, being shown more than Irish programming would that have an effect so that's why most countries have state broadcasters so that it reflects the country you you live in Uh, and if you take that away then while you mentioned the others yes all good to have those but a lot of them have have investors uh, from outside of Ireland and that is why a state broadcaster is for that everybody investing in it is within the island of Ireland. Uh, thank you for your text. But that's, that's basically why they want it and, and we need to stay broadcaster. Uh, also, uh, this WhatsApp came in too late, but I know this was discussed before at the Oireachtas Committee and it's not going to happen for the moment anyhow, but Gardaí could be called in to Donnybrook, but for the moment they're not. But somebody asking why there is not a criminal investigation into RTE and their practices into false accounting and fraud. That is being looked at and, and it still could happen, but for the moment it's not. But there, uh, it hasn't been ruled out, let's say. And obviously there's a lot of legal implications within all of that as well. And Michael in Castletown Bear on WhatsApp says the RTE debacle could roll on for another and another number of years or months. Having a plan is one thing. Executing that plan could take up to 12 months, if ever. When you hear that there is a photographer on the set of Fair City being paid €240,000 for three years to take 15 to 16 photographs a week, coming from an organisation such as RTE, then that organisation badly needs someone independently to put it in to run. Uh, Otherwise, it will be in the Valley of Doom. RTE's top brass are still living in cloud cuckoo land. There is a big drop off in people paying their TV licence. And don't forget, social welfare pays one in three licensees. Personally, I won't worry about those employees. Uh, no, but Michael says he worries about those employees who were on very small wages within the organisation that are going to pay the price for all the shenanigans that went on at the top and are still going on. Remember, also, only for those load-paid workers, you would not have an RTE. The researchers, the news correspondents, the political correspondents, etc., etc. It is they who go through all sorts of deadlines and all sorts of weather to feed the information to their editors, who in turn then feed the information to the presenters, whoever they may be. They conclude 
conclusion to all of this, send some independent person to completely reform RTE sooner rather than later, says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear. His view on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Some would hope that Kevin Barkers is doing that and that he may be taking the, the rein to change things. Whatever will happen, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and the future of it, people, I mean, the one good aspect that came out from the conversation, I did sit through and watch the majority of uh, the Oireachtas Committee yesterday as much as I could. And from what I saw, the one aspect that could be a bit of green light is the fact that they now realise, like many broadcasters in other countries, and I can never figure out why it's not been done here, that they will now look at having some of their operations outside of Dublin because there's a lower, first of all, a lower cost factor, but also a cost of living factor. So if they had and expanded, let's say, in Cork and the base in Galway and in Limerick and the place, they have an office, I think, in Waterford as well or wherever, if they expand those people working in Dublin who probably would love, I presume anyway, to move back to where they're from, they have that opportunity to move out of Dublin, pay less rent, you know, pay, sell a house and buy in a house in where they're from. They could be options for them. So there could be a positive effect out of this whereby they may move out of Montrose, they may go to a smaller site, but have regional operations and then have more uh, regional input, which they have in fairness got a lot better at over the last 20 years. Uh, before, if you didn't have a D4 or East of Ireland accents, people thought you should not be on it, radio or television in this country because that's what people were brought up with. But over the last 20 years, and I think with the advancement in local radio, but also in RTE, I think they have gone more regional and now we we hear and we see more regional people. Maybe that's thanks to T.G. Carter as well. Uh, but it is great to hear uh, a Galloway accent or a Kerry accent or various accents. Uh, you can see the success of the Today Show uh, with Maura and Dahi. I mean, the reason that is so successful is obviously the, the chemistry between everybody on that show. But it's a regional show. It comes from the regions. It's for the regions and it's still big in Dublin, but it has a regional output. Uh, and maybe if they go down that line... It might be one of the ideas to save the organisation, which, in fairness, Kevin Barkers is working at. So, Michael, maybe he is one of the people uh, that, but I, I understand what you're saying independently, they need somebody else as well. But maybe he is one of the right ones in there uh, that is doing it slowly. But a lot of work to be done. And why are we talking about it? Because it's your money. You were paying for it, first of all, via your taxes and then via the licence fee. Views are welcome. 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. But as we talk about two public bodies this morning, uh, from Ungarda Shikona and indeed from RTE. Uh, the reality on the ground is that there are people out there who are meeting volunteers from penny dinners around the corner of a primary school or a secondary school. Uh, these are not desh schools now, by the way, uh, but they're meeting them so they can get lunch off them to get a dig out for a week or two uh, while they get enough money again uh, to do a proper shop. The bills are going on mortgages and going on energy costs and more. We'll speak to Katrina Toomey next on that. And as I mentioned that, some good news coming in in the last number of minutes. And this is from uh, Prepay Power. They are cutting their energy prices from November the 1st. Gas prices will drop by 13.5% and electricity by 12.8%. And the typical customers, so uh, both using those services, can expect roughly a saving of about €435 a year. And you'll be aware that Prepay Power, uh, they are Ireland's largest pay-as-you-go provider and there's about 180,000 customers with them. So a bit of good news on a Thursday for those who are with prepay power, another company uh, cutting their energy prices. You can email us as well, of course, across the show. Email corktoday at c103.ie. C103 Jobs. 
Belling College coaches have full and part-time positions available for bus drivers with a D licence for work on school transport and private hire. You can call them on 021-487-3828 or email Limited at gmail.com. The gallery bar and restaurant in Mallow is recruiting for a chef, floor staff and wash-up staff. Contact them on 022-20760 or you can email your CV to info at gallerystaurantbar.com. And a full-time assistant course superintendent is wanted at Bandon Golf Club. A minimum of two years previous turf experience is necessary. You email your CV and a cover letter to inquiries at bandongolfclub.com or post to James Burns, course superintendent, Bandon Golf Club in Castle Burners in Bandon. You'll find these details and more now online job-wise. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. Court today on C103. Parents are being forced to tell their children they need to cut back on after-school activities because they can't afford it. Cork Penny Dinners say more people are coming to them each year for help with the cost of living crisis. And Katrina Toomey joins me from Penny Dinners. Good morning to you, Katrina. Morning, Jim Paul. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. You and your volunteers, you have been meeting parents near schools with packed lunches for their children. And this is because the parents can't afford to make the lunches. Exactly. You know, the past number of years has increased the amount of difficulties people are facing and not being able to put food on the table table is definitely one of the most hurtful, you know, difficulties that they're facing. And that extends to school lunches for some of them. There are dish schools, but not all have the status. So the parents who find themselves in a situation whereby they just, you know, can't uh, afford to live. If they reach out to us and we do our best to support them. Some people simply need us to survive and sadly that number is growing. A lot of them are saving their money just to simply pay the bills. The grocery shopping has increased and then energy crisis, even though some suppliers are reducing their costs, they're still quite high. They're very high. And that's the problem. They're growing all the time and people just can't afford. Do you know, obviously, the amount that's coming in is not meeting the amount that's going out. And this is where people are ending up in struggling. The school. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. That a lot of these children would be attending. Uh, they're not going to desk schools because I know desk schools do get lunches provided. These are going to schools where lunches are not provided to them on a daily basis. Exactly. And, you know, all schools, all principals and all teachers, all staff and all the schools are being very, very good to, to families. And we hear that a lot, that they'd be last but of the, you know, the support of the schools. And um, that's that's another just another section of society that's helping. So what we do is we just, you know, when people have been for the last couple of years, you know, we've been meeting some people, giving them lunches, but that number has grown. And um, it's it's sad that it's growing, but I suppose it's good that we can help. So it's it's a very it's a very traumatic situation, you know, for the families to be in, and they worry all the time. And if they don't pay their bills, for example, if they don't pay their rent, pay their mortgage, they're out. So that's a big worry for for a lot of them. And then the amount of money they have coming into the house doesn't isn't enough to pay all their bills. So food is always the one that will suffer. And, you know, a child has to have a school lunch going into school. Do you know, years, like, for years, schools have been, a lot of schools have been doing, you know, lunches for children, even going back, you know, to, to you know, my day going to school, you know, there would be a bun and I think a glass of, or a cup of cocoa or something like that. But, do you know, like we're in 2023 now and, you know, so many things have changed in this country. But the one thing that never changes is the fact that people are struggling because their wages aren't enough, their outgoings are too high, they're struggling all the time. And in the past number of years, the cost of living definitely has driven a lot of people like to despair. And I would imagine, Katrina, they're hesitant, the parents that is, are hesitant to reach out to you until the very end, maybe until the child is hungry, because it's the last option for them, really, isn't it? It is, you know, and um, we just have to keep it um, dignified for the parents, you know, not to, so that the, the, the kids don't cop on anything, you know, you don't want mm. that. And the parents certainly don't want that. And we're aware of all of that. No matter how much good we do, we have to do it discreetly as well and um you know we, we just do that we know where we're going in the mornings and we do it and it's quick and easy and um the parents are thankful they're grateful beyond measure and 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 that's it and you know for some parents it might be just for you know a couple of weeks to get them out of a jam do you know especially with the cost of going back to school so for whatever reason it is you know the parents more parents are reaching out and that's because more parents are falling below the, the bread line now. Many would feel that this is just happening in, in city areas, but you are seeing people from all corners of Cork travelling yes. or you're meeting then somewhere for help to provide to them. And it's not just a city issue, it's very much a Cork County issue as well. Yes, it is. And, you know, our, our lads that um, that deliver, you know, even hampers, you know, they meet people and in all different places, you know, because people need a bit of discretion around this. So, you know, if if they want this, we do that. Because, you know, I suppose the stigma, it's painful for people, you know. If you're in that position, you're in that position, and you kind of don't want anybody to know. So we acknowledge that and, and, and we do our best to, 
to, to keep people safe from anybody finding out. And children then, and many parents are telling you this and telling us this, they are missing out on school activities, on after-school activities and sport as well. And it's all due to the costs involved with these. It is, yeah. And, and parents just can't afford it. And while, it might, it might, while the cost might be relatively, you know, it might sound small to the parents that don't have it, it it's out of their reach. And even clubs and groups and everything are doing their best to chip in and to help children like this. But they they have to survive as well. So it's a catch-22 for all of them, really. But a lot of parents can't afford to send their children to the classes they'd love to send them to. With the cost of everything changing on a daily basis, and you mentioned there the money that one family might have and others may not have. I mean, everything is going up in different ways. And we have seen, for example, the price of butter going up. And it might only go up by 10 cents or 19 cents every you know third or fourth month. But if you add all those cents up, that could lead to over a euro or two euro in just one item. And then another item will go up. And it all adds up, Katrina. And that's how people end up in the situation they are in then. And it impacts everything for them. People, yeah. you know, going to work, the cost of fuel, going to work, you know, the cost of heating your home, the cost, and, you know, we'll be heading into the cold, dreary winters that we have here. That'll be wet, you know, throughout. And they'll have to heat their homes. And that'll impact everybody from a small baby up to a, a pensioner. That is going to impact everybody, you know, and those that haven't got it won't be able to do those things. It's as simple as that. If you haven't got it, you can't do it. And um, and then we have to ask the question, but why haven't they got it? Like, why aren't they getting the help to have it? You know, the, the people, not, not everybody, you know, can avail of a, a lot of services, especially if they're working. You know, you hear of some people just being a little bit over the margin for something and they don't get it and that could be a lifesaver for them and when they don't have that safety net then they reach out. Yeah and that's the various allowances you're touching on there that a lot of workers Katrina can't avail of. Their wages would not be fantastic. We have seen rents increasing as you mentioned but also mortgage rates and more and further announcements on the way regarding mortgage rates they have increased and families who had a budget and thought they were doing okay now are seeing that money being pushed from one side of the table to the mortgage or rent side and as you mentioned before the food side does suffer and a lot of them are working every day of the week, five to six days a week, and now they have to turn to you for help, which is, you know, you're there, but you, you shouldn't be you helping them. No. And and the thing is, you know, sometimes and most times you have two people working in a family, you know, the husband, wife, the mum, the dad, whoever, they're all working. You have the single parent are working. You have them all working and trying to achieve something, you know, for their lives, for their children's lives. And they can't do it when they can't meet the cost of living. That's the frustrating thing. They're working, that they, they're not sitting back and doing nothing. They're working and trying to make a difference to this country, but still uh, they're the ones that are suffering because they're not really being looked after. The middle class, I suppose, the squeeze middle, again, have been affected with everything going on. Uh, if there is somebody who, listening to us, is in a situation whereby they feel they need help, I mean, you mentioned the word discretion there, you will meet them somewhere and it won't be common knowledge. And, and you know, schools... Schools are very good, and I suppose schools are strapped as well, but no school will see a child hungry. They're, the schools are brilliant. Everybody's, you know, coming up trumps like where the schools are concerned for looking after the, the children and looking out for them and seeing if they spot something and they step in 
which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that's great. There's some great school principals out there in our schools right across oh, Cork. Uh, before I let you go, Katrina, something that we had a call in, and it might have been maybe two years ago at this stage, you more than likely won't remember it. You deal with so much on a daily basis. Uh, but it was at Christmas about two years ago. Uh, this young man uh, from a city area rang us here at C103. It was the week the chat show was all fair for Christmas. And he was struggling and basically struggling for food. There was no food in the press. The family were going through a hard time. His dad was going through a hard time. Uh, there was no man there. And he rang us as a last resort to see if we could help him. We got in contact with you and the gang at Penny Dinners. You provided help to them. He actually made a phone call to us a number of weeks ago. And the family, you'll be glad to hear, are doing very well. Uh, his younger brother, who at the time uh, was in care, is uh, back with the family, but better again, is back in college. Uh, the guy that rang himself is doing well heading into college. And the dad is doing very well. But they wanted to thank you because the phone call to us that we made to you that got the help for them, the intervention, that was a, a life-changing moment for them without any of us realising it. To them it was because they had food to get on the right track. And it just shows how a family can all of a sudden, it could have gone very wrong and it could have been a very different outcome. Exactly. And that's what a dig out is all about, you, you know. And, oh, geez, it's great to hear that. Like, it really is. And we do hear stories like that and that lifts us and it keeps us going the whole time. But I'm so glad that this worked out for the family. And I wish everything could work out for all the families that are struggling and for all the individuals that are struggling in this country. I, I wish it could. That would be... I suppose if I must have a wish for Christmas, that's my wish. Yeah, and I think everybody will be the same and don't be afraid to ask for help like that young lad did. He did ask and two years later, thankfully, everything is going their way uh, and hopefully we'll continue to do so. Uh, best of luck to yourself, Katrina, and all your volunteers there at Penny Dinners and we'll uh, no doubt chat to you again soon. Thanks a million, John. Take Thanks. care. Thank Thanks. you. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Today on C103. And time for this week's Garda File. I'm joined by Garda Bridget Hartnett from Bantry Garda Station. Good morning to you, Bridget. Good morning, JP. How are you? I'm fine and uh, thanks for joining us. And you want to highlight, uh, this has been seen before in other towns across Cork. This is counterfeit money uh, noticed in Bantry. Yeah, it just happened two days ago and actually my my own unit that was working and I just want to take the opportunity as well to praise the shops involved. It happened at noon in Bantry and a number of shop, shops were um, selected for it, unfortunately. But they went in and they had counterfeit 50 euro notes. Um, now, the shop at noon was quite busy, so it wasn't copped until just slightly afterwards. But the quick thinking of the shopkeepers involved, they rang the Garda station and told us immediately. So we were able to get a message out to all the business owners. And we have a business association here in Bantry. So we were able to get a quick response from there. And investigations are ongoing. But just to thank those for ringing straight away, because it's not nice to get caught out either. True, yeah. And once more businesses are aware of this, then uh, they Absolutely. can spread the, the news yeah. around. Yeah, And indeed to other towns, because you'd be afraid that you know, it's in one town now, it may move to other towns across the district as well quite Absolutely. easily. And they were, all, they were of a good quality. So, and again, it's very easy. Anyone can get caught out, especially at a busy time. And just to make staff aware and have the various equipments uh, with you and necessary within the store so you can check if it's real 50 euro notes or counterfeit. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I suppose just to remind people to take the time to check. Mm. 
Yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, now, staying with fraud, but a different type of fraud. These are the scam emails and the scam phone calls that are doing the rounds. So many of them uh, still out there, Bridget. Yeah, and I know it always continues and, and we're kind of highlighting the same stuff. But it just even in the last few days, we got three separate calls from people. Like there was one as far as Adrigal and was one in Goldine and one in Drimmer League. So well spread out. And the email it looks really official, actually. One of the people involved sent the email in to me and it comes with a Garda logo headed paper. Um, very official looking, contains, like, it, it states that you've violate, violated internet rules and you've accessed a particular site. Now, very scary to get. You know, you're looking at this, kind of looks quite like a summons nearly. And what it is, it's requesting personal information from you. And then, basically, now, the people involved were great. They didn't, they deleted the message, they changed the password and blocked that site and blocked the email and then rang the Garda station as well. So just that they're still in circulation, and I know with people, we're all very busy in life, that you can get caught out quite easy. And it is a bit of a shock, like it was different age groups that got them as well. So just to bear that in mind. Yeah, and well done to those people. That's exactly what you should do. But if you had someone who wasn't very computer literate and was worried about what website they may have been on, they could easily click in, give personal details, which of course, as we all know, will lead to a bank account or a card uh, details exactly. uh, later in the process. So yeah. that could happen. Um, very much so. And actually, on top of it, there was an Interpol request with it as well. So it all looked very official um, and it's very easy. It could be passed by any of us, even myself. So it just, you know, to take the time to think and don't hesitate to ring. The Garda station is open 24-7 and we're there even just to give information and to help you through it. Yeah, and even using words like Interpol and others, I mean, you know, the, the terminology and the language they use would get you to read this and go, maybe this is official. So, yeah, they know what they're up to. Oh, and now you certainly do. Yeah, you want to move on to road safety and talk about cyclists and road traffic, something that we've discussed a lot over the last two weeks. Road safety has been in the news. Oh, it is. Um, I suppose we're all trying to get through the trauma of the last few weeks and like all those, the lasting effects on those four families and communities. Um, but it was a gentleman actually rang into the station yesterday because he had advertised the crime call was coming up and just to make me aware of this incident. And um, an older man, and he just said he was returning home um, just outside Bantry, back to his house, and it was late evening, coming down the road. He said, you know, thinking about things in his own life. He wasn't going particular fast, but came around the corner and two bikes were straight in front of him. He got an awful fright. They had no lights on and no high vis. Now, even talking to this gentleman, you could see the incident was still playing in his mind. This was two days later. And he said he just wasn't the better of it. And I felt for him because I I was, you know, he was very good to tell us about it and explain that I can highlight it to everyone else. It's the autumn time. We've got to be thinking, you know, every one of us have a role to play in road safety about reducing deaths. We have to be thinking now in the evening, it's going to be getting darker. Weather conditions are going to be poor. We need to be thinking high vis and lights and slowing down in general. Yeah, and we've forgotten, I think, because the weather was good over the last two weeks yeah. that we're not in June and May. It is getting darker earlier and it's about 8.30 or so when the darkness falls. And if you're still out on the road and if you're cycling, Bridget, you'll know you might leave at half seven. You could be still out on the road at 8.30. Absolutely. You know, and at it dusk, it will, it will get darker sooner and it could happen to anybody. Absolutely. And it is also a fright to get, um, whether for, both for the cyclist and the car user. But as we need to be prepared, 
and be thinking, right, the dark is coming. Even just having the high vis on, the difference that makes, you can be seen. You'd say the same to road users who would be walking as well, pedestrians at night time and in the evening, who would go for their walk after work again, that they need to be aware of that. Yeah, um, again, it was, look, once we're coming into the autumn and winter, we have the shorter days, but in the morning as well, it's actually quite dark still in the morning and even um, early evening. So we've got to be thinking, you know, back to the time, put on our high vis and have a light with us. Or even walking in well-lit areas. I know that's hard in rural communities, but even, you know, going to a town or a village and walking around those areas just to keep ourselves safe. And have, for drivers as well, have the lights on because we can, I know some of the newer cars, they come on automatically, but not every car has that facility. And you may be driving around without the lights on because it it does happen. You know, we're, we're so used to driving in the summer months with the brightness in the evenings, people do forget. Absolutely. And sometimes maybe if you're, you know, coming from a shop or coming from work, you're leaving a village or town and the lights of the village is lighting up or the town. So you might forget. Um, Very, very important. But I suppose take the time even now, you know, to go getting ready for the winter and getting ready for the autumn and the different weather conditions. Maybe get the lights checked. Very important. Um, And the tyres checked. Really, really important. Um, And it does all this, like it will help us slow down and save lives and that's what we all want to do because we're getting two new speed cameras you know the go safe vans are actually coming two new ones down to west cork and that is just to make people think it's not out to catch people we want to save lives because even if we reduce our road speed by five percent jp imagine we could reduce fatalities by 30 percent and after all we've been through the last few weeks i definitely think we need to think about this yeah, and there's been a huge discussion on speed and I know the speed reductions that the government is speaking about, I think those uh, guidelines have been published within the last number of minutes as well. So it is going to be something, as you mentioned, go safe and being deployed to various areas. That yeah. We'll see a lot more of that, I suppose, over the next number of months. Absolutely. And I suppose we, we need to kind of change our mentality in this country to know that the speed limit isn't a target. You know, it's a guideline. And if we're in um, a built-up area, we've got to slow down. Even in the States, we've got to be thinking that anything could happen at any particular time. And I know myself, I'm guilty of it, you know, because if so much things going through your head on that any particular day, you're kind of not concentrating on the road ahead. You know, you're thinking of other things. While we need to be just thinking, God, I'm in a machine here. Anything is possible. I need to be ready to react at any time. And yeah. move the phone down. I think very I just important. hate the and the phone is very important. That's one thing our listeners are noticing, and we all are people on their phones scrolling while they're driving. And I think you hit the nail in the head though with when you say concentration. Uh, and I don't know how do you see this when it's in on Garda when you do come across an accident, but certainly here over the last while I, and I just see it myself and I've said it and people were texting in saying that they feel the same way because we're all in a rush and because people are travelling and commuting longer distances and you're going from A to B and we are all rushing and we shouldn't be but we have no choice the way life is today um, th- that can be a reason for people to speed and for it shouldn't be but it can be Yeah I, I totally agree we're all rushing to get to the next thing and listen I'm always very guilty of it um, and we need to take that chance. Like, we're not actually getting there faster. And that was one of the things I often, you know, when reading up on this, like if we just even reduce from the 80 or 100 kilometres an hour to 80 kilometres an hour, we're not only burning less fuel, great for the environment, but we're also going to be able to react quicker and slow down. And again, as I said, if that's by, you know, reducing 5% our annual speed, our, our basic speed on one particular journey, we can reduce fatalities by 30%. So that means extra people going home to their families safe and well. And nobody wants to be involved in anything like that. It's 
it just it ruins so many lives. And very finally, as we're on road safety, there's an orange level for rainfall warning later this evening around six o'clock onwards for the Cork area. You'll be asking people to take care on the roads. Very much so. It's, it's so you change your driving to the conditions involved. So slowing down, leaving extra space between the cars ahead, making sure, as you said, JP, having the lights on, really, really important from early on because, um, again, conditions, heavy rain involved, it's going to be difficult to see. And again, a lot of car machinery, um, tractors on the road as well, Jim, the harvest and everything. But just be careful. Anything can be around that corner. Good advice, uh, Bridget, for the moment. Thanks for joining us and we'll chat to you again soon. Take care. You will. Thanks, JP. God bless. Okay. That is Garda Bridget Hartnett joining us from Bantry Garda Station with this week's Garda File. It's Cork today until one. Our lines are open 0818103103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will be along after 12.30. So on that number, your pet questions are welcome. Also on text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862103103. But a lot of calls and comments in on the various issues we have been discussing so far this morning on our guard there before midday uh, our guard we were joined with this week is Bridget Hartnett from Bantry Garda Station she was aligning a story of a man driving on a road in that area whereby rounding a bend two cyclists happened to be around the corner and nearly on top of him and because of that an issue uh, was uh, I suppose raised first of all on road safety and cyclists but also at this time of the year when it's getting dark around 8.30, how we all need to be more careful on the roads. That is pedestrians and cyclists and motor vehicle drivers as well, every type of driver on the road. Uh, well, on this, uh, somebody saying on WhatsApp, pedestrians and cyclists need to wear a high-vis every time they're out, regardless of the weather conditions and indeed regardless of the time of day. Even if I'm out walking in the middle of the day, says this person on text, uh, on WhatsApp even, uh, they and it could be a lovely day, they say, sun could be shining, but I also always wear a high vis and also Rita making a very similar point and she feels that this also when we spoke about speed earlier on in the week uh, she feels that, that they need to have a review of safety for pedestrians everybody walking on a rural road or indeed a road with a footpath should be at all times day and especially night wearing high vis so you stand out from motorists uh, she drives on a small country roads where yes housing estates have been built so maybe not the person's fault they have to walk there but at the same time, if they are walking, wear a high vis. She meets so many on the road wearing dark clothes in the dark of the night and only for a phone light you can see them and they could easily be knocked down. Risha, thank you for your text to 0862103103 and then we were on that discussion, the cyclists had no lights uh, on that story uh, Garda Bridget Hartnett told us and somebody making a, a point here who says, and it makes sense, why not find a cyclist who have no lights? Because if a motorist can be fined if one light is blown, how come then cyclists can be cycling on our roads at night with no lights? Should they be fined? Good question. And I suppose in, in the current law, they don't, as far as I know anyhow, they don't because they don't be, they're not considered like they don't pay tax or anything, so are they considered under those laws? I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting if you're driving a car and you have a, a light blown, you will be fine. So thank you for your text on that, 0862103103. And then regarding, regarding RTE, uh, which we discussed earlier, this was RTE appearing in front of the Oroctus Media Committee yesterday, and Senator Malcolm Byrne, who is a member of that committee, uh, joined us earlier on in the 
the programme and he was making the points about what was heard yesterday and while change is coming down the line by way of Kevin Barkhurst also a lot more change needs to happen. And I think when people see the change, confidence slowly then will go back into the organisation. But there's a lot to be done, a lot of money to be spent and also the fact of licence fee and taxpayers' money going into RTE to more or less bail it out over the next number of months. And while all that is going on, Bill is in Clonakilty. Bill is asking though, is there any news of Dee Forbes? Has she been seen around West Cork? No news on that. The committee within the Oireachtas Media membership, they would like to see her in front of them. They have a number of items they wish to put to her. But there's no news as yet if she will uh, come forward or not and go to Dublin and sit in front of that Oireachtas Media Committee on certain questions that maybe she can only answer. And has she been seen around West Cork? Uh, the last we heard, and these were from journalists, many who travelled from Dublin, uh, from tabloid newspapers, did go to uh, quite openly, it was in the papers, uh, where she was uh, staying in in the area around Glendore in West Cork. But she didn't answer the door and I'm not too sure where she is now but does she have questions to answer I suppose she does and is she going to go that's up to her if she wishes to go or not to the Oireachtas Media Committee they want her there uh, but Bill in Clonakilty will have to wait and see what happens with that but there's a lot of uh, questions that do need answers uh, for certain things that seemingly only a certain amount of people can answer on that and again the reason people want to know is taxpayers money and your money if you pay the licence fee Derek says John Paul, I sat through watching that circus with RTE yesterday and well, I sat through myself watching it too. Now, I, I didn't watch all of it simply because I had to get the car in CTs, but outside of that, I watched the majority of it. And he says, when you have Kevin Barkhurst and then other board members and they're saying things like mistakes were made and executives made mistakes and all of this. Uh, Derek says, I worked in an office where I used to work with a person who used to do accounts. Now, auditors would do an audit every year. And if there was a receipt or a letter missing, the audit would not be passed. Uh, KPMG were the auditors at the time of this debacle. So they are complicit in this as well. Fraudulent accounting and a lack of corporate governance is a criminal uh, activity. And if Kevin Backer says there's a crisis for RTE, Derek's view is a crisis is when people can't get a home to live. In a crisis, children are going to bed hungry at night because families have not the funds to feed their children. Uh, They were all praising Kevin Backers for what he said and what he's doing so far yesterday. But then all these executives got paid and sailed off into the sunset with big pensions and big payoffs. Uh, But a person who has worked, like Derek, in administration for 29 years and seen what goes on in an office, he says, this is fraud. Not a mistake. It's total fraud. Uh, thank you, Derek, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And then while some people were asking, do we need a state broadcaster? And I was outlining the reason why we need a state broadcaster for certain items like Irish language and everything Irish about this country, that it can be relayed and, you know, it's owned by the Irish people. It's a state broadcaster and our culture is reflected within that. Uh, somebody here on text, a few people are saying, yes, you were absolutely right, JP. We need an Irish state broadcaster that represents Irish interests. Uh, somebody else did the same. But on this uh, text, this person says, for example, uh, C103 is owned by the wireless group. Uh, now, you 
you've got some of that information wrong on somebody else's text and as well uh, yes we are owned by the wireless group but the rest of your information obviously a website somewhere with incorrect information out there where you saw or read this from because you're saying we're owned by another company on top of that which is based elsewhere in Europe uh, we're not um, so that information is wrong but you are right wireless and I know you mentioned Northern Ireland there where that came from for people who were texting in about that and questioning uh, the independent media uh, we were owned by UTV UTV was as a television still is a television broadcaster in Northern Ireland, which dipped into radio in Ireland for a while across the island and then they were bought by ITV who when we're speaking about television broadcasters are a very successful broadcaster in the UK which does not receive licence fee money and does a lot of public service broadcasting in the UK by way of regional and local television news which many of you would be aware of I mean if anybody watches Coronation Street over the years you would have been very familiar with the Granada uh, titles at the end so that was a Granada still is a Granada production under a different name now but still is made by Granada in Manchester which broadcasts across the northwest uh, of England. All those franchises are one now, so it's just known as ITV. Uh, and ITV bought UTV, and then the radio site changed. That was not bought by ITV, so that became wireless. So that's where the name wireless came from, and that's who we are owned by. You'll be glad to know, though, wireless, the senior management of the company, which has us, C103, and also stations in Limerick and Dublin and Loud and Meath and Belfast. They, a senior management is based here in Cork. So if that's a good angle. The, the, the people that make the big decisions are, are based here. The majority of the senior managers are Cork-based. Uh, so very much a Cork operation from a, a, a regional level uh, right across the country. Uh, so that's your answer there. So, But but yes, I understand where you're coming from. It's I did make the point you need an, a state broadcaster to keep the Irish because if you have an outside company buying into Ireland, they will still keep the Irish, uh, but still they'll have to do it in a certain way where they'll have their own commercial interests where you won't have that with a state broadcaster. So that's where that comes from. Thank you for your text on that and other people texting in regarding uh, media and independent media as well as RTE. Uh, Jerry agrees though with that. We need to make sure if we we're speaking about a state broadcaster that we keep the Irish language and indeed the culture of Ireland alive. You could not expect a commercial entity to do this as you could not make money commercially from this that needs to be saved and that's the purpose of a state broadcaster thank you Jerry. on text to 0862 103 103 and then insurance I'm not too sure if many of you are getting your insurance home insurance if you have received your car insurance or even farm insurance has it increased now I, I did receive my car insurance and it Thankfully, it has decreased because over the last number of years it has been increasing. It's decreased this year and a number of people have got misquotes this year. Some people, uh, they've been happy enough to see a decrease. Others have seen an increase. Similar to home insurance, a mixed bag there as well. But in farm insurance, an interesting one here from Brendan, who was in Mallow, who got a quote of €2,300 for his farm insurance. Now, this last year, the quote was, and he paid €1,675. So it's gone up a good bit. Now, he, no claims, so he doesn't know why it's gone up. He had made no claims over the last number of years. And when he spoke to other farmers in his area, they're all saying the same. The prices for farm insurance has gone up. Now, the companies are claiming, he says, when you ask them about this, that they are losing money on farm insurance. So the prices are going to go up all over. Now, Brendan is going to shop around and try to get the best deal he can. And everybody would encourage you, Brendan, to do that. That's one thing we always say when we're discussing insurance or anything uh, from energy prices to whatever you deal with. Shop around. Uh, you 
may not, but sometimes you may get a better deal and it's worth the shop around to see what is out there. Uh, so while Brendan does that, have you noticed insurance going up this year? Farm insurance, it seems anyhow in particular, has increased uh, and also home and car insurance. Uh, we've had mixed views before this year when we've discussed home and car insurance. Some people say it's gone down and some people feel it's gone up. And these are people that are contacting us, everybody is more or less uh, claims free. So that is why they are questioning why is insurance going up? Let us know. You can call Bernie 0818-103-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. And Mitchellstown Mokra, their new members information night that is going ahead this evening at Jackie O'Brien's in Mitchellstown. It starts there at 8.30. They ask you to come out and find out what Mokra is all about with Mokra Mitchellstown. And the Kildare Community Lotto, that's going to hold their next draw. It's going to be held this afternoon at four o'clock in the community office in Kildare. The jackpot there is €10,300. And a lecture will be taking place as part of the Cloyne Cathedral Autumn History Talks. The lecture will be by Dr. Jim Ryan and it's going to be on the Bishop Crow Charity School in Klein. It starts this evening at 7.30pm. Clonakilty Community Care will reopen their Thursday night club. That's going to be opening tonight from 7.30 to 10 o'clock with bingo, tea, music, dancing. It's a great night out and it's a great place to meet and make new friends. And McCroom Flower and Garden Club, they will host a floral demonstration by Anne Hester. It's entitled Welcome Autumn. It goes ahead this evening at 8 o'clock in Cool Cower House, just outside McCroom. The Pat Lane Memorial will take place in Carriganima, and that is going ahead on this coming Saturday evening. Uh, you can go along there on this coming Saturday to Carriganima, and all donations will go and fundraise to Cancer Research. Bingower Harvest Festival Tractor and Car Run is going to go ahead on this coming Sunday at 11.30am in Copine, supporting Marymount Hospice and Cancer Treatment at CUH and Breakthrough Cancer and Kilavollen Annual Vintage Tractor Run. That's going to be held this coming Sunday, leaving from Kilavollen Hall at 10.30 and travelling through Donorail, Buttevant, Mallow and finishing at Topshop in Kilavollen at 3 o'clock. All proceeds from this are in aid of Marymount University Hospital and Hospice and all vintage and classic tractors are welcome. If you want to include your event in the Cork Diary, you can do so. Email diary at c103.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. And this week's Hours to Protect will be with us tomorrow at quarter to midday. Tomorrow on Hours to Protect, we're going to meet the founder of Yol-based solid perfume business, Arona, and we'll speak with Nora Irwin, who has an interest in nature and a commitment to sustainability and eco-friendly products. That's tomorrow on Hours to Protect here on this show from around 11.45 at C103. Now, a lot of calls and comments in on when we're discussing the road safety issue of cyclists and indeed pedestrians and if they should well they should wear high vis uh, but at what times they should wear it or not and many people say they should be wearing high vis all day and then there was this story that a Garda Bridger Hartner told out of Bantry Garda Station on the man who drove around the bend and two bikes were meeting him at the other side but they had no lights on and a lot of people are picking up on if, if it was a car 
was driving on that stretch of road with only one light working, they would get a fine. Is there no fines for bikes driving with lights? Because Brida says in her parents' time, the guards was always stopping people for no lights on their bikes. I'm sure this law is still on the books. While Joe and Kilmalik says he remembers if you had no lamp on your bike, you could be taken to court and fined. Uh, does this not happen now? And Eddie is a mallow. He said there used to be a fine for having no lights on a bike. Is it not still there? Uh, well, those cyclists weren't. It was the, the driver of the car reported it after the event so it wasn't the guard that wasn't there waiting on the road for the cyclist so uh, uh, that's why there was no change or maybe a, a fine handed out there but is it in law? I'll have to double check that and, and figure out if that is in the law or not though uh, if anybody's in the know we, we will check it out but uh, if a lot of people are saying it was that if you had no light in your bike you could be fined and even taken to court as Joe says 0818103103 lines open text or whatsapp 0862103103 John says Every cyclist and pedestrian should be made aware uh, high-vis and also uh, even on those e-bikes they should be wearing a high-vis also and they should not be allowed on footpaths with no licence or tax or indeed insurance. They should not be driving on these whatsoever as they have no consideration for other people on footpaths fields. John and I'm sure you would agree uh, John as well on the e-scooters uh, that they should not be on footpaths if you don't want e-bikes on, on a footpath. And then we heard earlier from this was a caller from Mallow on his farm insurance and we were asking home insurance and car insurance has yours increased or have you seen a decrease some people have seen a decrease this year on their insurance when it comes to car insurance and for home insurance Tom in Carrick Tool said his home insurance it came in uh, this year on a quota of 504 euros for a four bed house so he phoned the insurance company to see if they could do anything better he thought it was very high and they offered to take for him 40 euro off the price. So then he decided to phone around and he rang a number of companies and you know we do say shop around and he did and he got the same insurance with everything the same cover wise for 266 euro. That is a huge saving. So well done Tom on that. So the method and the madness there of shopping around paid off for you uh, Tom. Big saving. And when we spoke earlier to Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners and we were telling her the stories that we hear on a daily basis and one of them though was I think it was two years ago at a Christmas period and we got on to Katrina Toomey in Penny Dinner she helped the family who were basically in need and as she put it herself in our chat with Katrina earlier uh, they needed a dig out and that's what some people just need the family that contacted us needed a dig out uh, the dad wasn't in a good place uh, one of well, the brother of the person that rang was in care and this young man just needed help and we got Katrina Toomey involved. She got the help needed along with the neighbours nearby in fairness where that person is living. The family called back only a few weeks ago. Uh, that same man rang just to let us know that everything was fine. His dad was in a good place. His brother's in college and he's also in college. So everything was going well. And... Katrina made a very good point that family just needed a dig out and once they got the dig out they were fine again for two or three weeks if they need another dig out so be it but sometimes that's all people need is a dig out and they get back on their feet again and Mags is making the point that she knows the work within Penny Dinners the Trojan work that Katrina and all indeed the volunteers do and everything else that goes on behind the scenes it's all confidential uh, they look after so many people and Mag says a lot will be 
dead or indeed malnourished if it was not for penny dinners but says the work that goes on behind the scenes that people never hear about uh, is unbelievable and Mag says that Katrina and the others and the volunteers in penny dinners they all have a heart of gold and everybody I think would agree with you Mags on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and Kathleen is in Butterfield if anybody has advice for Kathleen if you're living in and around the Butterfield area and this is to do with air and air broadband. She has an issue with her air broadband. Now, it's been off where she lives in Butterfield for the past 10 days. She has been on to air several times. They keep offering to send someone out, but no one has shown up as yet. And when she rings them, she gets told the same thing every time. So if you're in and around the Butterfield area and you are a customer of air and you have broadband with them, it could be an isolated incident or it could be a situation affecting a number of households. So let us know. We'll pass that information on to uh, uh, Kathleen and indeed Air to see if we can get to the bottom of that. Thank you for your calls. Uh, your pet questions are welcome now though. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us next answering all your pet questions. You can call Bernie 0818 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and Premier League Live. It's back on c103.ie with Trevor Welch. It's on this Saturday from midday powered by Talk Sport. Uh, we'll bring you live coverage of Wolves taking on Liverpool at 12.30. Manchester United will take on Brighton at 3 and Newcastle United take on Brentford at 5.30. The Premier League live online with Harvey Norman. You're home with the big screen. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie Court today on C103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Good afternoon to you Jane. Good afternoon, John Paul. And a lot of questions in, so I'll get straight into them today. And the first one is from a person who has a seven-year-old dog. Uh, He is a cross between a Yorkie and a Terrier, Jane. And this dog is getting very cross when people come to the house. So basically, he is going for their ankles and won't let them in. It's coming to the stage where this person has to lock him up because uh, they're afraid he might bite someone. So what would you recommend, Jane, for this? Yeah, that is that is a big concern. Obviously, safety comes first. Um, so taking that measure of, of locking him away while such visitors is a good first step. Uh, but obviously, we want a, a longer term solution for him. It's interesting that this is a behaviour that's now started for him. I wonder, has something changed in the environment or in the, let's say, in the path of the house that the visitors would enter through normally? So has there been some remodelling? That might be the case. He might just not be used to of them appearing at a certain place. But it is possible he may have just, for one reason or another, become very protective. So if he doesn't show any other signs of aggression when he's around other people, or let's say um, if he's not aggressive to people when he's outside his own environment, let's say when he goes for a walk, if it is literally when people are just coming into the house, then it's probably, to a degree, trying to protect his little family. Um, So he sees these people as invaders who might be trying to, to cause trouble. So he's thinking, right, it's my job to protect the family. So I'm going to make sure that these invaders don't get in and that I'll nip at their heels. So he's probably in his own mind trying to do a really good job. But obviously it's a safety risk. So we need to take it in hand. I would suggest there are a few ways of dealing with this. If 
the problem is minimal and quite recently started and let's say there's a very low risk of, of, of any, let's say, problems as regards safety with visitors. One thing you could try and do is to lock him in a room furthest away from visitors when they're coming in and give him uh, something to distract him. So a toy or give him a stuffed Kong, an enrichment toy, where he can kind of self-soothe himself while he hears and gets used to the noise of the new people in the house. And then when they're settled in, they're already in the house, it may be uh, possible to try and slowly introduce him back into the room with the visitors. But I would probably pop him onto a lead to do that so that you have some control over, over him from a safety point of view. But that may break that cycle of having that aggression on entry. They're not entering into his house. They're already kind of sitting in the room when he enters the room. So that can help sometimes. But if that doesn't work or if you're concerned about the safety aspect of that, I would advise speaking to your local vet and get a behaviourist involved in this. It's always easier to manage behaviours when they're early um, in, in their in their cycle before they become really well established. So I think a good thing would be to tackle it now with professional help before that behaviour gets ingrained. So speak to your local vet. They'll know who's local or who's available and appropriately qualified as a veterinary behaviourist um, to be able to give you solid advice and to deal with the situation and to help you take steps to improve things. But well done for noticing. I suppose well done for taking it in hand, but probably requires professional help in this situation. And best of luck with all of that. And Marie has a stray cat that comes into her. Now, they already have a female cat and they want to know how can they get this cat and the stray cat to come along and get along. Now, this cat that's coming in, he's a male, a young cat, but he's very friendly. So any help that you could recommend there to Marie? So if he's a nice, friendly boy um, and he is genuinely a stray, I suppose the first thing I'd say is, is he a neighbour's cat? Is he wandering and looking for extra snacks? That's always a possibility. So maybe check with the local neighbours if they have a cat that fits that description because obviously we don't want to try and entice somebody else's cat into, into a different household. So check that first. But if he is genuinely a stray, um, I suppose feed, feeding, feeding him at regular times. Um, they're more likely to hang around if they if they know that one of their little cat resources that they look for food and possibly cuddles that he's very friendly come at regular times every day. Um, getting two cats to get along now, if I had the secrets to that, I'd be a very rich lady. It's a challenge at the best of times, and it's even more of a challenge when you have, let's say, an, another invader coming into a cat territory. So the male cat in this situation. From the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like there's been any major aggro um, so far from what the listener has, has mentioned. So maybe it is peaceful so far. What I would say is I wouldn't force introduction to them. If they want to get to know each other and be little cat friends, then brilliant. Let that happen naturally. But I wouldn't really be trying to take any steps to get them to get along. Cats can be quite solitary creatures and do like to have their own territory. So if your cat is tolerating this other cat in her territory and not being too bothered by it, that's pretty good for a cat. So I think it is really a case of trying to work with what you have. And I suppose from that perspective, give them time to get to know each other and and relax. I wouldn't worry about shoving them together. I wouldn't worry about trying to get them to, to cuddle up next to each other. If they have a peaceful co-cat existence, then that's what we're aiming for. Okay, well, hopefully that will help you there, Marie. And another person here, there's no name on this text, but they have a dog and this dog has mastitis. They want to know what they can do. They gave her some better mocks, but she got sick um, and she's not not too sick with it, but she seemingly, according to the text, got sick. Any advice? I think this little dog needs to see a vet. If she has mastitis, it can really deteriorate quite quickly. Um, Betamox is a, is a brand name of an antibiotic. There are lots of other ones, but I really think that the most important thing is not to, to let's say, try another antibiotic. It's, it's to see your vet. 
discuss with them if they've previously prescribed the antibiotics that it's not fitting well with her or that it's not seeming to make much effective and have that dialogue with your vet unless you let us know what's going on you know there at home we're assuming everything's going well so bring it up with your vet let her know she's not so well that you know she's struggling and that the antibiotic doesn't seem to have done the trick because I think with these things the mastitis although it may start off very mild we may have an otherwise quite well dog they can deteriorate very quickly so it's important to seek veterinary attention for this one. And still the same advice outside of the antibiotic if she's not sick with the mastitis still go to the vet you would say? I, I would say so. If it's not improving for her, I would say it's best to get ahead of it. You don't want to let these things linger too long. So I, I would say recheck. OK, now I don't know if you can help Una in Formoy. Una was on to us yesterday. We did put this to uh, Peter Dowdall, our gardener, who then very kindly said maybe we should ask Jane as well for her thoughts on this. It's regarding a fox and this fox comes into Una's garden, digs a hole and then goes away again. Now, Jury, who was in touch yesterday on the show, Jury says that foxes usually do that. They go to dig out insects, but they may go away. And if they usually dig in the same area after a couple of days, they, they won't come back. Um, any advice on, on what Una could do if you were up on the fox community? Do you know, I must admit, JP, I'm not particularly up on, on the, the fox behaviour. <laughs> it's not my not my forte. But what I would say is that, you know, wild animals, they don't tend to stick around in one place for too long unless it's really where they've set up their territory. So if you're not always seeing the fox around, it's quite likely you may spend a few days there and then move on to another little patch and stick it up. So it may be a, a self-limiting gardening problem. Um, but no, unfortunately, I, I can't lean any more than that. Fox behaviour is not my forte, I'm afraid. I can't, okay. I can't be too much help. <laughs> well, your, your jury and a few more did say that, as you said, they don't stay in the same area for a very long time with wild animals. So uh, hopefully that will be the case, Una, and for my and best of luck <laughs> with the fox. And very finally, and this could be uh, applying to many people tonight, this is from Annie. Annie has a Labrador who is eight years old, but she wants to, weigh, is there, or wants to know, is there any way that she can calm her during thunderstorms and indeed during heavy rain? She gets very nervous and the heavy rain is because the rain is pelting off the roof of the house and you can hear it in the living room. Uh, any idea what she can do when we are going into an orange level rainfall warning later this evening in Cork? So obviously Annie is thinking ahead. Oh my goodness, yes, I know. Um, having having pets to get nervous during storms, is, you know, it's really heartbreaking. You hate to hate to see them really nervous and obviously we'd love to just tell them, don't worry, just stay inside and everything will be fine. One of my own dogs, Margot, gets really, really, really nervous during thunderstorms or heavy rain. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, with the listener. I think some of the best things you can do is stay calm yourself. I think if we're anticipating them being really, really nervous, then they can almost feed off that energy and become a little bit more anxious. Um, it's also really important to try and create an area for them where they are really safe and secure. So something like a crate would be really great. So a crate with an extra few blankets over it is a really helpful thing because that helps to mask the sound a wee bit. So that can kind of dampen that down and also maybe put on a little bit of classical music a little bit louder than normal or even talk radio or something like that um, whilst the storm is going on because that can help to kind of mask that sound a little bit and um, what I would say is that if your pet wants to spend the time with you whilst you know the rain and the thunderstorm is going on then great that's absolutely fine be a source of reassurance for them but if they just want to find their own spot and hide away in the house and ride it out then that's okay too um, I wouldn't be trying to let them bring them out to be with the family all the time sometimes they will just want to snuggle themselves away and, and just they might be a little bit nervous but as long as they're safe and inside and I think that's a really important thing make sure they can't escape and get scared and run off to make sure they're secure inside and if they do need to go out for their peas and poos that they're on the lead so that they're secure and you know hopefully that will help 
but it is always very difficult um, and hopefully those tips will help. And very, very finally, one question just came in uh, towards the end in less than 50 seconds. Any recommendation for a person who wants to know how can they stop cats from going to the toilet every morning at their front door? Oh, my goodness. That's a very difficult one and a very difficult thing once they've laid their scent down. What I'd probably recommend is if there's something that they're putting their scent in, like a flower pot, move that. Um, But if it is just literally the front door, then you can get products in pet shops and from local vets that have a a kind of an an anti-ammonia smell in them so that it makes it an unpleasant smell for the cats so they're less likely to do their business there. So that may be helpful. Okay, Jane, thank you for that. And we'll chat to you again next week. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Bill Street Veterinary group and my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced today we'll do it all over again tomorrow morning from 10am with Cork Today enjoy your Thursday afternoon I'm John Paul McNamara Hey folks I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.